Mana 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 this is social disgusting welcome to social disgusting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is a comedian podcaster and director having most recently worked in that capacity on the netflix after party and lights out with david spade he's one-fourth of the truly hilarious improv group the grande and he's extremely excited about seeing tonight in fact the green knight please welcome john mackey welcome oh man perfect intro i feel like every intro for a person should always include a thing they're excited for <laughs> that's like that's just like a personal thing that's not like professional it's not a it's something that just like just every intro for every guest on everything should be like they do this, they do that, and also they love lasagna, <laughs> <laughs> like just like just something real, you know. You know, it's also nice. It feels good to say it too. Yeah. To be honest with you, it's like yeah, you know, it's a it's a nice exclamation point yeah, to end all, on the note. Because it's like any any anything like this. I feel like intros are always so like uh, it's only about what you've done. It's about who. It's like it's. That's not who I am. Yeah, you know what I am is a dude who loves going to the movie theater. So let's let's just start there instead of, uh, you know, talking about improv. <laughs> well, meanwhile, no, as I'm I like, as I'm sheepishly deleting improv questions. The uh... <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, we can talk about improv. I love talking about improv. I just I I appreciate the the uh, the talking about the, change my, my likes you know not what i've done you know i'm more than my career brandon <laughs> well i guess we'll find out right i guess we'll see i guess we'll see well speaking of like mean, we're going to likes then what all have you seen in you know since everybody can i guess return back to the world to some degree although mm -hmm. maybe we're going to be regressing back into to being yeah. monk in monkdom at this point but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many movies, what have you seen in the theater? I, truly going to the movie theater is my favorite. It's my favorite thing. So the Me second, too. the second that, that movie theaters were like, yeah, we'll let you come back in. Even if, if you got to wear masks, I was like back on board. And so I've seen, I've seen pretty much all the, the big ones that everybody that came out that have come out. I saw okay. fast and furious. I saw a quiet place too. I saw Zola. I saw, uh, what did I just see? I just saw another movie. Say, like, I just saw uh, old I saw last old, week. I saw old. Okay. Did you like it? I I really okay. I, I had Brandon. a very unique theater experience. Yes, I think that's the only way to describe it. Okay. It is a bad movie. <laughs> it is yeah. it is one of the worst scripts I have ever seen spoken aloud on film. Okay. But I enjoyed every second of it. That's because, fair. Because because it, it it was like. This is extreme, but it is the room levels of bad for me. Like the script was almost as bad as the room. Like like oh hi Mark, like that level of like insane delivery and exposition and the dialogue was just so insane, but I enjoyed every moment of it. And that through the end, through the very end, the last frame, I was on, I was on board, but I recognized that it was the worst script I've ever seen. You know what, the funny thing is though that makes me want to see it again even <clears throat> excuse me it makes me want to see it again even more and the reason <laughs> is it's because i could barely pay attention to the movie because the two people like it was the most unique theater experience i've ever had in that the two people next to me where they're like two seats separated if you told me that they had never seen a movie before i would truly believe <laughs> it i am not kidding because and i already i knew from the get-go it was going to be uh, an event and be something because <laughs> We saw the the trailer for Free Fall or Free uh, Fall Guy, Free Guy, Free, free yeah. Guy, Free Guy, yes. Free Guy. Saw the trailer for that, and it was silent, you know, after the trailer, and they just said to each other very loudly, "He's such a nice Canadian boy," and then <laughs> immediately spilled their popcorn everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, everywhere to the point where they had to kick their legs up to get it out from the crevices. It oh, was everywhere, funny. and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be bad." <laughs> and then, and then throughout the movie, they would repeat lines to each other as if because they couldn't hear over themselves talking, right. and they were trying to talk and exist over the movie. You know, to their credit, they would like stop talking during the silences, which only showed that they knew they weren't supposed to be talking in the first place. Right. And every they, time they wanted so, to be like kind to their fellow patrons. That's where the thoughtfulness comes in, yeah. like there. You know, they would marvel at things like you know the the name of the rapper 
or they would they, they would <laughs> mid sized sedan. sedan. <laughs> oh my god! Which I lo- as a choice, I think that's fun. Um, they could have had so much more fun with it. I thought. I think so too. Uh, <laughs> it did. It did feel like both like uh, a forethought and an afterthought all at once. <laughs> yeah. But maybe a lot of things did in that movie. And anytime somebody in the movie got older, they would marvel at it like they had no concept. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, was... truly. <laughs> yeah. Truly. And the the one um, thing I the last thing I'll say about it is that, and this really informs a lot of things for me is as they were walking out of the theater. And they saw the poster for the Green Knight. One of them stopped, looked at the poster, and looked back to the at the other one and said, "Ew, sci-fi," and walked <laughs> off. <laughs> and, and the poster is a very clearly Arthurian legend version of the poster with yeah. just uh, doesn't look just, sci-fi at all. No, no, he's holding an axe. Yeah, like it's not on any level. And I was maybe like, they oh, meant okay. fantasy. Maybe they just conflate <laughs> fantasy and sci-fi as as one genre, which I could I could understand a little bit. But that's and fair enough. Yeah, it was. Um. Anyway, it was an experience, and all that is to say that I couldn't hear the movie in certain parts over them, so I couldn't get any kind of gauge of. I might as well have not have seen it. I guess how much I could not have. I, I'll say this: I think you should go back. Uh, I think you should go back and, and and see it again, and really just marvel at the uh, the absolute absurdity of every word that gets spoken in the movie. It this I, I I'm not exaggerating. I think seventy percent of the movie is is dry exposition lines, like okay. every character says exactly what is happening for the whole movie. It's all it is. It's just people saying exactly what they're experiencing. Uh, but it's—I so, mean, I enjoyed—I enjoyed myself uh, immensely. I'll say. I, without saying anything about it, but I—I uh, I guess whatever. If there is—is is there a twist? I can't tell because I, mean, I figured it out pretty quickly. I think that there's not a twist. Okay. I wouldn't call it a twist. I'd call it a uh, a wrinkle. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> they, 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 there is a justification, an explanation, what, yeah, an explanation enough. for why it's happening, but it is not a traditional, like M Night Shyamalan twist, okay. where like you're like, oh, okay, uh, <laughs> it's kind of just like, oh, all right, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it makes sense, fair enough, yeah, and it doesn't yeah. really like sort of correlate. It doesn't. It doesn't recontextualize what you've watched in a way that I found uh, exceptionally interesting. It was just okay. like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm. I also, if I'm being honest, I enjoy every movie that I watch. So, like, I've literally never gone to a theater and been like, "Wow, I don't. I didn't have fun doing that." Uh, almost ever. I can't. I actually can't think of the last movie that I thought was bad. Well, all right. Let's think. <laughs> I think the last movie that I walked out of being like, I didn't enjoy myself was that movie, The Sisters Brothers. Really? I didn't, I just didn't get, it didn't connect Okay. Me. Uh, because I think I went into it, I went into it thinking it was going to be funny and then it was not funny. Uh, and it, it, it was long. And that's, that's always, that's always a, a troubling thing for me. If a movie is longer than it needs to be, I'm like, all right. See, I did that with Godzilla, King of the Monsters, okay. when that came out, because my brain was not, it's like drinking water thinking it's Sprite, like, I like both of those <laughs> things, but I was not prepared mentally for it. Right, right, right. And so yeah. I was like, oh, but like serious, overly serious, even big budget action movie, and it was like, oh, this is a kaiju movie, yeah. and it's absurd, and I was not prepared, and I was like walking out appreciate it while also like visibly annoyed i think that's maybe a very a very good analogy that i had never thought of before drinking drinking sprite thinking it was water or drinking water thinking it's sprite i think that's what happened with sisters brothers for me i can see that because i i saw it but um i guess it was streaming maybe when i watched it but I really liked it, but I also had an idea of what it was going into it, and that helps right. a lot. Oh, I also walked out of the 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 live action remake of Aladdin. That I've not awesome. seen it. Okay, <laughs> I feel like that doesn't that probably it wasn't. I'm sure that wasn't a lack of context. I'm sure that was just no, that was that just, movie. Oh, this this movie sucks, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, I love every I love the experience of going to a movie theater. So it's very easy for me to just enjoy whatever's on the screen. I do too. What do you think is your 
best or like favorite theater experience? My favorite theater experience. Oh, geez. Um, wow. That's a t- I mean, I think the first time this is such a like broy answer and it makes me feel like one of like one of those dudes whose favorite movie is the Joker. But uh, yeah. I truly remember leaving the dark night and being like, that might've been the most blown away I've ever been by watching a movie. Like there was I remember something vividly too. It was like something about watching that movie that I was just like, man, this is like the coolest superhero movie I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, I feel like that was a really good experience. Uh, yeah, man. I, I think maybe I, I like every movie, so it's hard for me to like sort of pick out one that was just like, nope, that's it. That's the one. Yeah, well, I think to your point, like I've never seen a movie that was completely irredeemable. There's always something. <laughs> even if even like The Room, like you can appreciate how like grandiosely oh, yeah. bad it is yeah yeah i mean that i, I, I saw i saw a screening like out in la they used to do saturday night midnight screenings of the room at the sunset five and yeah. it was like rocky horror picture show level of like audience participation and like i went and did that one time and that's probably the most fun i've had watching a movie in a theater because it was just like there's all these like interactive moments that like you don't know if you've never been before so it's just i like, went to one here it was great oh man and this one tommy wiseau was there and oh, he, wow. he did like a thank you at the beginning of the movie it was it was pretty <laughs> crazy to see him uh live and in person isn't it didn't he have a billboard for years and years in LA? oh yeah and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that was like the calling card of the movie for a while yeah he had a billboard for years uh, with just the worst like DVD artwork, like looked like a Walmart <laughs> dollar bin DVD artwork uh, billboard. It was insane. Like he just went to Google and got just chose small for the size of the photo. <laughs> yeah, and it was all pixelated already, and just <laughs> yeah. stretch it across a giant billboard. It's like, dude, it's your movie. You, you can get <laughs> higher res images. <laughs> Meanwhile, they tried to open him. He was like, no, no, <laughs> yeah, this no, is art. A- it's art. We did it on purpose. <laughs> this is whole thing. He does it all on purpose. You know, randomly, I'm trying to think of like my favorite. I think you know one one that always stuck out to me in the theater was when I saw opening day. There will be blood. Oh yeah. And and watching it, it was like um, I honestly thought early on I was like, oh, so like this is what it was like to watch, to like see Taxi Driver opening day. You know, yeah. to see a thing that was, it's to me it was so good. I was like, oh, this is what it is to see a classic, like see a classic opening day. day comes out, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And I went back the next day, brought my dad, and I was like, you just have to see it. <laughs> Man, you saw There Will Be Blood two days in a row? Yeah, it was an intense wow. weekend. Yeah, wow. There was a lot to unpack after that weekend. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, it was amazing, though. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess to ask the uh, question, I always start off just as an arbitrary entry point at this point, but how are you? You know, I'm doing all right. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's like, a, it's rough to say that Yes. right now. Cause I feel like, I think I was having this conversation the other night with a friend. I think that the baseline has shifted in my life. Like the, uh, the baseline level of like how good or bad I'm doing is it's like, okay, we're all starting from, we're all starting from a deficit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like, like the level of good you have to be to be classified as doing all right is not nearly as good as it had to be a year and a half ago. So like all things considered, I think I'm doing pretty good. Uh which which I think is a win. <laughs> that yeah, well for absolutely. You know like it's a it's amazing how much a pandemic contextualizes things for you. Yeah. And seriously. And, and just like um, it makes it makes so many things feel like just absolute petty bullshit that yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, well this doesn't matter. Like, oh wow, they put mayo on my sandwich. It will be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting. Like, uh, I think I think human beings are pretty insanely adaptable, mm-hmm. and I think that that's that's really the thing that this pandemic has taught me. Which is like like I think the 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 day it started. When I like watched the like sort of governor of California be like, we're doing this stay at, like safer at home order where you got to stay home unless you're doing something essential. I was like, okay, this is insane. Like this is like, this is unprecedented. It's never happened before. This yeah. is going to be really hard. 
Uh, but then like literally three weeks later, I think I had like completely adapted to this like sort of indoor lifestyle where I was just like, you know, I got used to wearing a mask and like, uh, only talking to my friends on zoom and doing like zoom, uh, game nights and all this kind of stuff. And like the like status quo of my life shifted so quickly and I think I'm just a person who can who can kind of be okay in whatever scenario. And so I, I think the baseline for my life just kind of shifted very quickly. And I was completely sort of in, in terms of like, okay, well, this is just what life is now. Uh, and so like, I think that that, yeah, we, we as human beings are like designed to just make the best of whatever situation we're in, I think, from a survival level. Uh, and that was like a, a crazy experience to like, be like, Oh, I'm actually just okay being inside, uh, and yeah. only talking to like the people that I live with, like face to face. But, yeah, but uh, I know exactly what you mean. It's funny that I was thinking about this the other day about how like going from not being in the presence of most people for months and months and months, you know, like 15, 16 months, and then going back to that to some degree and then, and for a time, I was like overwhelmed by it. Yeah, you know, just that people's energies and everything, and all these other things you have to think about now, on top of it all. And then how I've adjusted back to that. But I was thinking how sixteen months undid so much learned behavior. Like that's such a short <laughs> amount of time. Yeah, to undo so much. Yeah, but it, it does really make you realize, yeah, that your humans are incredibly malleable. Yeah. incredibly adaptable which is also kind of ironic because humans want to control their environment as much as possible you know to some degree yeah but we can adjust when we're put in that corner but i guess you know like life and death stakes those are that will do it yeah yeah when it's like well you can either do this or you can uh go out and catch a catch a virus that could kill you or could kill someone uh you love it's like oh, okay so then i just stay inside then all right I'm in. Yeah, I'm done. Fine. I can do. I can do. Yeah. It's so easy to do nothing. Yeah, and it's we still wildly got, easy. We still got movies and TV shows and stuff. Yeah. yeah, Netflix is still a thing. All right, video games. We still got those. Yeah, all right, <laughs> okay. And I mean, it really was like, I mean, it sucked. I think I'm, I'm like, I'm definitely like rose colored glassing, glassing it. It's but been very it was, difficult. It was yes. really difficult. But I think that like, I'm very lucky in that I have, uh, I live with two of my best friends in the whole world. Uh, who are like family to me. So it's like this, the like sort of personal support system was sort of right outside my bedroom door the whole time. And yeah. like, there was just a lot of like sort of talking through what was happening. And like I had, I had the outlet to like sort of have that sort of emotional support right here. And my family is all like great and, and very, everyone stayed healthy and safe. And, and so it, I didn't, I experienced the pandemic in a way that I don't think many people did. I think there, or I'll say there were people obviously who had this a similar experience, but this was so much more difficult for so many other people that like, I kind of look at my experience with it as like, okay, this is, I'm like very privileged to have experienced this pandemic the way that I have. Uh, and so I'm trying not to like take that experience for granted, you know, and just appreciate Absolutely. that. Like I was very lucky. I, I, was only unemployed for a couple months, uh, <laughs> like, and and I was able to sort of get get a job that that carried me through the rest of the pandemic, and like, obviously my health stuck with me, and the health of my whole family did. So I I think that like, I don't I, it's because it's I think this is the thing that I'm struggling with right now talking about it is, it's hard to talk about such a catastrophic, insane, like global catastrophe and and be optimistic or positive at all i feel bad being like i'm okay yeah uh but the reality of it is like i'm in a position where i didn't have the experience that a lot of people did and there is this like weird guilt of like <laughs> like oh i yeah i mean i was able to pay my rent for the whole the whole time and i was able to always have groceries in the pantry uh, and my family, no one in my family got sick. And I know that that experience is so unique or not unique. It is so specifically like middle-class and like privileged that I'm, I feel bad having, having had that experience 
although I would hate to have had any other experience. <laughs> so it is this like very weird line to tread where I'm talking about it, about like, I don't know, like I, not that I wanted to have a worse time, but I am a little, I do feel guilty that this was not as difficult for me as it was for so many other people, you know? Well, I, oh, I get that a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not very, I'm not dissimilar from your position and what you experienced like at all. I yeah. mean, pretty close to, if anything, I think the right way to go about it. Yeah. Is what, is what you're doing. And you know, it's like, thank God it wasn't as bad as it could have been by any stretch. And I'm so lucky while also, you know, realizing that your problems are still your problems. And this has been right. a difficult situation. Like, psychologically we had to not being around people and different people and their energies constantly you know roommates or no is deeply unnatural oh yeah and, and it's and I mean, very difficult to readjust and it's still a yeah. problem and i think I, that that's a, the thing that i'm noticing now too is like as things are sort of starting the the sort of tap is being uh opened and i'm like sort of going back out into the world and, and seeing friends and stuff is i do i do definitely feel this like uh like the the like thirst I had for socializing mm -hmm. is like so much smaller. <laughs> like same, yeah. Where I like I like I literally went a friend of mine to a friend of mine had a, a birthday barbecue yesterday, and tons of my good friends were there, and I'm there for maybe an hour, just hanging out in the sun in the backyard, and I'm like you know I kind of just want to go home now. And that is not who I ever was before yeah. Yeah. all this. I think it, I, I am like so used to creating my own energy that having to uh, accept other people's energy right now is exhausting. <laughs> like, I, same. It's over. Yeah. It can be over. Like yeah. genuinely yeah. overwhelming. Because I realized to your point, like somebody who is like I'm like the person you talk to at a party, that type, like that sociable type yeah. person and then you know like almost like an, he said an hour or so and you just like it just feels like so much more work yeah like and i'm I, out and of I, shape i also think it's true too the the thing too is like like we've all had the same experience for the last year and a half like like we've all been doing the same thing so like the 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 joy of seeing friends and stuff was like talking about things talking about stuff but it's now it's like literally the only thing anybody has to talk to talk about is like the pandemic. Yeah. And it's like, well, well, we've all talked about this too much. So like until we're all out having like real life experiences again, I don't think the like sort of energy exchange is going to be the same because we all have the same stuff. We're not. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're not like we're not bringing anything new to the table for our friends where it's like. I think before it was like, oh, I just went on a trip or, oh, I just worked on this cool thing or, oh, my, my family did this cool thing and now I can I can share that with my friends or like bring something new to the table. Literally all anybody has to bring to the table is, oh, yeah, for the last couple of months I've just been uh, watching shows. <laughs> yeah. Is the, I thought about that the other day about I, it was that type of epiphany of like, oh, so this is why older people talk about the weather. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like I get it. I've now. I've been talking about the weather, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've been I I went to visit my my dad. I haven't seen him in two years. I went to visit him last weekend, and I found myself talking about the weather all the time. <laughs> I don't care. I don't, I don't care about if it's raining or if there's clouds or if it's gonna be sunny. It was like <laughs> I was desperate to find a way to connect to my own dad. Where I'm just like, how am I only talking about the weather? We, but then I thought about it. He's been alone in his apartment uh, for the last uh, year, two yeah. years. I've been basically alone in my house for two years. There is no jumping off point for a new interesting conversation. It's like you either talk about politics or you talk about the weather. It's like the only thing interesting happening in the world are the things like that are like, injecting new energy into our lives are these like chaos engines <laughs> and i'm like give me that weather yeah. of the two give me yeah. that weather oh uh, yeah yeah, yeah i mean geez it's it's crazy man it, it is and it's it's just such a strange thing to have that realization that like oh shit my brain is different i yeah. i don't have the i mean I, I think i'm still funny but i'm like Maybe comedy is stupid too. 
like like yeah I, shit about that also like yeah. that's like that's the real the real tough part is just like being like what matters anymore does it's, anything matter i i thought that the other day too i'm like man how much is being fair about certain things and how much is just overloading and obsessing over those things <laughs> and just beating into the ground about how like again like the great contextualizer i'm like i feel like with more things a part of me is just like who gives a shit yeah. Just you know, it's just like fucking. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. like it's because like I, I do. You know, early on in the pandemic, I was thinking, man, this is gonna. And of course, not knowing any workload that you know it'd be fifteen, sixteen months later, and it's still happening. But thinking, man, this is gonna make people who have been really avoiding it have to unpack things yeah. in their lives and really think about it and process things. Yeah. You know, people that are workaholics and just try to, on many levels, I'm sure, just try to ignore that or not think about it, and it's gonna make us unpack it. And now. We've now, after all this time, I'm thinking maybe I had too much time to unpack it. <laughs> well, here's the thing that I'm realizing too is I think that that's how I felt too. I was like, man, this is going to be a great time to sort of like do some self reflection and like really think about what's important for me. Yeah. And I do think that I've done that. But a thing that I'm also realizing, and the thing that is so disheartening about American society, is I think 80% of this country hasn't thought about anything. Like that's also like, true. Yeah. Like I feel like I feel like Pete, like that's the thing about it that I just don't understand is that like and with things reopening and and like and like feeling like life the 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 like wheels are starting to get greased to to like regular life again I'm realizing that like I at the at the first at the onset of this was just like man life is going to look so much different on the other side of this people are going to be changed like we're going to like like everything is going to be totally different and then 16 months later we're back out in the world, and I realize, man, most people in this country did not did not do any self reflection over the last year, and and they are the same as they will always be, because like people are so scared of like finding out the truth about themselves. What's in there? Frightened. Yeah. 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 And it's like, and and I think that's the craziest part of this whole thing to me is that like. Man, at the end of this pandemic, I actually don't think anything's going to fundamentally change about how we live. Like, like I expected, like, oh, we're going to, like, people are going to start to understand that, like, you have to sort of follow science. You have to, like, under, like, you have to, uh, like, accept that some things are just true and we have to, like, deal with them. But we're not. <laughs> like, like, I think that that's the thing that's, like, so disheartening about this is, like, feeling like I've had so much time to, like, really think about myself and think about what's important and think about what I want to do in the future. But then like looking around and being like, man, I guess most people don't have that drive. They literally just stayed the same for a year. And a half. Yeah. If, if anything, it almost feels like it's got human worse. behavior has been exacerbated. Yeah. 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 You know, it's almost like, uh, you know, like that lack of control or the lack of a uh, illusion of control that comes with something like this has only made them, double down and triple down and go even harder at the things that were there before all this. Yeah. Yeah. The like weird, like tribalism of yeah. like, 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 like I, my, me and mine, I got to look after me and mine. It's like, damn, I thought we would have the opposite experience. Yeah. I feel like an idiot be... to be honest with you. Cause I really thought yeah. that I'd, in earnest, I was like, this is going to be tough, but we're going to realize like, man, if I can get through this, I can get through anything, you know, yeah. like positive outcomes of this. And granted, yeah. there are some, I'm sure, and I still, I hesitate to even say that because it's so fucking bad and I could have had it so much worse. So it's a really, it's a fine line, but I see a lot of the bad that's come out of it and it's yeah. a real tough pill to swallow. It really is. Yeah. yeah I, I, and I, I guess you just wanted it to be different. And now it's like, oh, I guess, I guess we are just destined to constantly have the same problems forever. Uh and like or at least our lifetime do, right yeah. yeah and the only thing we can do is like work to make the lives of the people we can touch make their lives better do what we can like i think that's the one thing that i really did i tried to focus on a lot while over this time was i obviously like got on twitch and like was doing like like sort of uh online sort of uh comedy and stuff and making like a little bit of money here and there from from things like that, and I yeah. was like, okay, I I recognize I'm in a place where I I have a little bit extra uh, income, and I at least did try to like 
put money in places that I thought people would do good work with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just sitting on it and buying more uh, Doritos in my house. I was like, okay, I feel powerless. What if I just like sort of th throw what money I can at people who feel like they are doing good stuff. And yeah. like, I did find a lot of sa satisfaction in that in like supporting causes and supporting organizations that I thought were doing really cool work over this this uh, uh, catastrophe uh, and that that did kind of like help me sort of feel like I was doing something uh, even if it was literally playing a video game to raise money for <laughs> like yeah <laughs> like uh, an organization it was like okay well at least I'm doing something positive in the midst of all this insanity even uh, even if I'm getting murdered in control <laughs> yes oh god <laughs> I've, oh. That game looks amazing, by the way. I've not played it, oh, but man. it looks one incredibly was cinematic. Yeah, it was. It was. It was that, that's a fun one uh, for anyone listening. It's a game where you you uh, you're a. I don't even know how you describe it. A kind of like detective, a, a, or you you go into a little building that's been like sort of overrun by some kind of uh, supernatural force, and you fight your way through it. And you can throw stuff with your mind. It's 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 a great a great cinematic experience. So like um, like Green Knight, it's sci-fi then, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's it's sci-fi. It's definitely sci-fi. I mean, it is <laughs> sci-fi. It for sure. This actually is sci-fi. Okay, folks. good. Okay, good. Yeah. No, it looks. I remember like. It's um, fun. I think I remember watching the trailer for it and marveling at the lighting of it. It looked yeah, oh yeah, really yeah, impressive. Yeah. They can do insane things with video games these days. It's really it, pretty soon uh, we're just going to be watching movies that we're controlling. <laughs> we're already kind of there. Actually, you know, it just reminded me too that I, I watched, I guess, what is actually an, a video game adaptation, Werewolves Within. Oh yeah, the other day. It, yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. I really. I haven't it. seen it yet. I want. I want to see it. It looks. It looks like it's going to be fun. It's and very impressively edited. It's very oh, very funny. That's good. That's good. Yeah, the cast is great. Uh, I feel like if you have a cast like that, you're kind of like destined to have a funny movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it that everybody's incredible in it. Yeah, I I highly highly recommend it. Um, I, you know, it's probably one of the funniest movies I've seen all year. You know, outside of well, Barb and Star. Oh man, Barb and Star, what a what a ride! Barb and Star felt to me like a movie that like literally, Kristen Wiig and Andy Momolo were just like sitting around and they were just <laughs> gabbing. And just recording everything that they said. Like it was like it yeah. felt so much just like two friends goofing off. And I love that. Yeah, it did yeah, to your point, it felt like it felt like the scenes in a movie in a comedy that were like clearly improvised that sometimes don't mesh with the movie at all. Yes. But they're like it's too funny not to put in there. So yeah, they put it in there. Just but leave it just, it in. Yeah, but it's like what if that had a whole narrative arc? Yes. And it's one of the silliest and most delightful movies, you know. I mean, for sure the silliest movie that I think has ever been committed to. One of the most silly movies that I think in the last 10 years have, has been made. Just oh, like, I think so, yeah. Just so goofy. See, my favorite comedies the last 10, 12 years are like Barb and Star, MacGruber, oh and God. Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa. I mean, MacGruber, I think, is a movie that I could rewatch literally every moment of every day. It's, it's I think, the best. It's the funniest. It's just... <laughs> I mean, every scene, every scene gets me. It's just, it's so good. Maybe my uh, favorite pure comedy of all time. It's it's my, I always say it's my favorite comedy, and <clears throat> it's the one that I can return to it at any point, even like within a week of having just watched it, and I will laugh just as hard as I did the first time. Oh, yeah. I saw it in the theater, and I was one of like, th it was me and a friend and like four other people, <laughs> yeah. which is very representative of the box office. <laughs> Nobody really saw it. But it, it's just the hardest I've ever laughed in a movie. Yeah. Uh, Unbelievable. Forte's a genius. An absolute God. genius. I'm excited for that Peacock show. Oh, yeah. I can't even I can't even imagine. <laughs> Doing more? Let's do it more, guys. Come on. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, hurt yeah. me, please. Yeah, please. I do want to ask you, too, that you... Yeah. I've talked to people that have, have done auditions during the pandemic and been on set and done yeah. many different things. Animal Wrangler I talked to did on set. <laughs> but... I've not talked to somebody who's actually like, and I actually now that I think about it, talked to somebody who directed from the UK Tim Heidecker's property video via Zoom, which is a very specific sentence. But <laughs> I've not talked to somebody who's directed on set during a pandemic. Yeah, 
How much of, of, of a challenge was that to your job as a director? I guess? It's impossible. It, it, it like really like I I think mentally I uh, I'm a person who I'm a perfectionist on like when it comes to directing like I I need things to be like really good and I everything about directing in like the COVID situation uh, made it very hard to get what we wanted or what I wanted it was mm -hmm. just everything was was compromised from t the amount of time we had because there was so much extra so many extra layers of of like safety and like sort of the amount of people we could have on set and and even down to just the the thing that was most difficult to me is like I'm wearing a mask and a face shield and I'm 20 feet away from from what's happening and like everybody is all like wearing masks and face shields camera people had to wear goggles so like they were like constantly being like i i'm, I'm afraid i'm not in focus like i can't really see oh, perfectly wow. yeah and so like there was just so many new elements that we had to like keep an eye out for where like i'm on monitor and i'm like being like yeah you are a little bit out of focus like we have to like everything was harder everything took more time and also just like from like a a like morale standpoint like the process got so tedious that mm. like I don't think anybody was as excited to be doing the 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 goofs that we were doing because everything was harder and we had such a small crew like we had to keep the crews so small because you couldn't have more than like 10 people in a room because all the rooms we're shooting in are like small rooms and then even down to just producing because like at, on on the on the after party netflix after party show i i was the director but i also like indirectly had to produce a lot because we're working from home every day that we're not shooting yeah. so like that was a thing that i've never been able to to do like we're like i'm a person who needs to be in front of somebody asking questions getting answers and working and so much of this process was drawn out over over days and days and days because we're on Zoom or we're emailing or we're texting. It's just like the like sort of face to face, person to person communication wasn't there, and it was just so so much harder. And just mentally, to like be like, man, this doesn't feel as good. So like yeah. that, I think was the hardest part to me was just like, I love doing this. But doing it this way is really making me not have fun, uh, and that sucked. Um, but but that said, again, the the flip side of that coin is I was employed for five and a half months of a global pandemic uh, on a show that really took care of its crew and was very safe. We we had one positive COVID case, and it was with a person who was never uh, in, never interacted with with the the crew it was a, a wardrobe person who was just like they would only work they would basically buy wardrobe and then bring it to uh set while everyone was gone and then uh leave it and it would get sanitized and then so they never had any interaction so we only had one positive case on the whole show for six months almost and so like wow. it was like it was also a great a great thing that i was able to have that security for six months so it's like the what was hard about it I, I also feel weird complaining about it because I was able to, you know, draw a paycheck and, and uh, be employed for most sure. of this, this scenario. But, like, it was really difficult, you know? Because uh, well, it so much felt like, I mean, based on your description, there's so many more logistics than you already have to do as a director that almost mm -hmm. the directing part was almost secondary. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the thing with the show, like, the after party was, like, most stuff was supposed to be a quick turnaround. Like the show was was the way that that show worked is we would find out what show we were covering. By the way, if anyone is listening and hasn't seen it, Netflix After Party was what I like. What the way I describe it to people is it's like if The Talking Dead or like an after show hmm. happened for a bunch of different shows uh, on Netflix. So like we would cover the new hot show on Netflix with like a sort of after show style thing where we would interview the cast and like do like sketches and bits and stuff pertaining to that show. Uh, and so like it was supposed, it would be the kind of thing where like this show is like premiering on the, like, like three Fridays from now. 
and we would find out that we were doing an after party on it like two weeks before. We'd have a week to write the show, a week to like like shoot everything, and then we'd do the live studio taping on a Friday. It would edit over that week, and then it would premiere the next Friday. So wow. like, like for a regular show, like that's a pretty like tough timeline. Uh, but we were also then dealing with COVID and would get tested three times a week and we were working from home. So producing that sketch that would normally take a, probably like a week to produce just in the best of times, we're doing that now from home with a hundred other restrictions, prop houses and wardrobe houses that are on weird schedules because they're like working through COVID as well. Like, it was just every single thing took more time, but we had the same amount of time. Well, so that's like, it's like a deeply unfunny. Yeah. <laughs> a deeply, a deeply unfunny circumstances overall, but also like very deeply unfunny logistics, ways to yeah. go about it on top yeah. of that. Yeah. Because I, I, I had the experience of working with basically the same crew on Lights Out, which was David Spade's Comedy Central like panel show. A yeah. Years, like a couple years ago now which was canceled due to COVID. It was the job that I sort of went into COVID uh, off of. Uh, I, had the ex uh, I had the experience on that job of working with the, almost the exact same crew, uh, working in a, a very similar environment, but with none of the sort of like the like hard logistical health challenges. Yeah. So it's like, it was interesting to like sort of see truly get a picture of exactly why working through COVID was, was more difficult by having the like control uh, experiment yeah. right before it, <laughs> where it's just like, <laughs> no, I know how like fun and easy and cool it can be to work with these, this crew. Now we're working. And the only thing that's different is that there's a virus that could kill everyone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's it though. That's it. Yeah. Though. Yeah. That's it. That's the only thing. <laughs> Uh, but it's just really, it's wild to, to see like, and, and, and the real contrast of like our deadlines on lights out were even wilder where we would shoot, we would shoot a sketch in the morning of the show that it went into Holy and, shit. and that was easier than shooting a sketch in COVID to go into a show in two weeks. It was like, it was, it was just like the speed at which things had to move. D for the after party was like it was just mind-blowing of just being like we're going so much slower than we i know we we're all capable of because we literally oh, did wow. it weeks before literally the week before everything shut down we were doing four shows a week for lights out where we were shooting stuff the day of and putting it into the show that night like it's like yeah. it was really just a, a weird whiplash of like oh man things are so different from yeah why like from the fastest turnaround outside of like doing SNL yeah. where it is live yeah. to a show that was supposed to have a fast turnaround. But then I guess relative to that is almost at a glacial pace because you're one positive test away from being done. Yeah. That, and that was, that was always the, the big fear would be like, if we got an email from, from like the like health people, like being like, Oh no, is this the one that's going to like shut us down for two weeks? Yeah. And then we never had that happen, which was which was a, a very lucky circumstance because I know a lot of a lot of friends who were working on other things who had like had to shut down multiple times. <laughs> like I have friends yeah. who were like working on TV shows that shut down three times in the course of two months because uh, like a production coordinator got COVID and then they had to like contact trace and a production coordinator talks to the whole producing team. Or then like a makeup person got COVID and they've touched every actor in the last week. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, it is like the, the possibilities are so extreme. Uh, yeah, man. It, 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 I think again, it's like, also I have no frame of reference for this. It's like the, we had no idea what to expect. So like in my head, I'm just like, I was experiencing this all as it was happening and really just adapting to it. So like while it was happening, I don't think I had any of this like sort of clarity of how hard it was. I was just like, no, this is how we do things now. Uh, but now do like, you think that's of, how it's going to be. Do you think I that mean, some degree, I'm sure some percentage, right? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that like COVID testing and like sort of uh, set protocols are in, are probably part of production now indefinitely until until there's like effective treatment 
for COVID and, and we get like lower case numbers. Yeah. I don't imagine a scenario where like studios and like production companies are going to take the risk of not doing that knowing what it means if somebody gets like test positive and they didn't take any of those precautions. It's yeah, like, I think the liability will outweigh yeah. that. From yeah. an insurance standpoint, like studios, I think if you're working for a big studio, you'll be dealing with COVID like protocols, I think for years to come. And I mm-hmm. think that like, it's just a part of how things work now. Uh, which, which to me again, it's like, I'm actually, I'm like, I'm fine with that. If it means that like, I get to like, get back to work and make the thing, make things in a way that I'm like happy with. If we can figure out a way to like do it, uh, safely, which we have kind of, I guess, mm-hmm. then like I'm all for it. Like I'll wear a mask for the rest of my life. If it means that I can like, uh, live some, some semblance of like a fulfilled and like good life. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's kind of how I feel about it where I'm just like, it's a bummer, but it's also like if this is what it takes for us to be able to do anything, then like keep it around. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, I'm fine. <laughs> and that's all we want. We just want to be fine. That's truly all I want now. Yeah. I'm not even joking. Like when, yeah. when you talked about like uh, about we're, we're playing from a deficit, you know, in terms of like yeah. how we are. That's also made me redefine what I need to be. Yeah. You know, like I can ju- I just need to be okay. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I just need to be okay. There we yeah. go. And that'll do it. And before I was always, and it feels like weird, almost nihilistic to say like, before I was trying to be great as if like, <laughs> I shouldn't try that now, but yeah. my expectations have shifted Yeah, of what I require to then go about my day in some you know capacity. Yeah. At that what, do you, what do you think is the thing? Like, what is like the, the, the bare minimum uh, in terms of like a life that you want to live? What is the bare minimum of like, this is all I need. Like, what is the, like one thing that you're like, if I can do this, I'll be fine for the rest of my life. I mean, not to call it back, but if I can go to the movie theater <laughs> yeah. and not just that, go to the movie theater without, with at least more in the background of my mind, the fear of overt death and death having a name <laughs> yeah. like COVID, yeah. you know, it's like, right. Something can be said for like, um, Man, psychologically, it really fucks with you to know a new form of death and know the name of it. And to know, yeah, to know how you, how it can happen. Yes. Like and and uh, and constantly be like in every scenario being like, "Wow, this is this is sketchy." Because it is like if we knew it's it goes down to like like that if you knew how you were going to die, would you want to know? And it's yeah. like for me, it's a thousand percent no. Because if if I'm if I if the possibility exists for me to accurately predict when my death is going to happen, I'm I'm constantly like living with the, that that thought like oh is this the scenario 100%. Like, is this the scenario but if I if I can just live my life feeling like my death will be random and not <laughs> not have to like sit there and be like well the like psychic told me that I'm gonna get shot through the head with an arrow and that's how I'm gonna die so every time I see a bow and arrow I freak out it's like I want to just, I would love to just live in a world where like, yeah, whatever's going to kill me is random. And I, yes. and, and it's not like, oh, COVID's going to get you. It's like, no, if I can just live in a world where like, yeah, anything can be the thing that kills me, then I'll, I will not obsess over uh, the thing that will kill me. Well, <laughs> first of all, 100% agreed yeah. on that. Second of all, like to your point, like I got my palm read when I was like 12 in Jackson Square, New Orleans, and she looked at my palm for three seconds and said, "One day you're gonna own a restaurant." And I think <laughs> about that all the time. And every time, and even sometimes when I see a restaurant, I'm like, "Yeah, should I be owning that right now?" Have you ever walked into a restaurant and be like, "This might be the one"? A few times. I'm, a few times, a part <laughs> yeah. of me was like, "I could see it," yeah. you know, that type of thing. But yeah. that is a a dumb thing that I did once. And I think about it constantly. Now, yeah. amplify that with a, a death yeah. possibility. Yeah, I mean, when somebody says they're thinking about buying a new car, they say what it is. Like, recency bias, I see it everywhere then. Yeah. So think about that with cause of death. Yeah. I'd be done. Oh, man, yeah. When I, 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 I got it in my head for a second that I wanted to buy a Jeep, just talking about buying new cars. I bought, I, and I bought a Jeep, and then the second that I bought my Jeep, it's the only car that I saw it driving <laughs> yeah, yeah. around. Where I was like, yeah. I had never even noticed a Jeep before. 
And then I saw one on my street. Somebody, somebody on my street was like visiting someone and they had a Jeep and I saw it and I was like, I think I want a Jeep. And then it's the only car that I could see. It's crazy how that it's happens. wild how that works. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So imagine that like, yeah, a, 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 a palm reader saying like, oh, uh, the man who will kill you has blonde hair. <laughs> and then you're just like, oh, everybody out here is blonde. Interesting. <laughs> then I look in the, then I, as somebody with blonde hair, I look in the mirror and I just <laughs> yeah. nod going, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> I mean, I could have told you that. I didn't need... I could have told that from the get-go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Oh. Um, last thing I want to ask you, I, I don't want to hold you up for too much longer, but yeah. this is something you've probably been asked before, but I am curious. Yeah. You directed a segment with Sean Penn in it yeah. for Lights Out, and I've never talked to somebody who's directed Sean Penn. So I guess my question is, I guess, do you direct Sean Penn? I don't really know... If anybody directs Sean Here, Penn, here's the thing that I like. This this applies to Sean Penn and applies to like every real big celebrity that I've ever worked with. Yeah, you're not telling Sean Penn what to do. Yeah. You're telling Sean Penn what you need. So okay. like, I think that's the way that I approach any any sort of like big celebrity who like, especially that was a, almost a different. It was a different thing because it was an unscripted thing. It was like it was basically for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, which is everyone. Uh, Sean Penn on SNL when he hosted gave David Spade a tattoo, and then on Lights Out we did a bit where Sean Penn came back and gave Spade another tattoo. Uh, which the process of doing that was a logistical nightmare. By the way, I can't really get into specifics. Okay. Fair uh, uh, but it was it was absolutely a logistical nightmare uh, because it's illegal in California to give a tattoo without a license. Um, okay, but, but, uh, when he showed up, it was literally just like, Hey, Sean, here's what we're going for. Here's what I need from you. Do, do that however you'd like. And then basically I'm watching the thing. And if we haven't gotten the thing that I need, I'm like, Oh, Hey, Sean, can we do something like this to give us this, this, this moment that we need? Uh, because, but when you're when you're also when you're directing like a sort of scripted performance with a person like that it's the same thing where it's just like okay the basic intention here is this i'm never going to give like i'm not going to give uh rosario dawson a line read <laughs> like Fair. i'm yeah. just going to be like here's the bit here's sort of what your sort of the intention is here do with that whatever rosario dawson will would do with that Okay. And then, and then I'm watching to make sure that we got we got the thing that we need. And so my direction in those cases, a lot of times, is just like, "Oh, that's great. We're gonna get a close up here. Can you do that thing that you did again? Uh, because that was the thing that we needed. Can you do it again? Like, or like, we're gonna change coverage here. Can we try one that like has like a turn that's more like this? It's never like I'm never directing like a big actor." with like a like the joke plays better when you say it like this i'm yeah. like hey you are a professional i'm gonna tell you what i need and you then do the version of it that gives me what i need through your professional lens you know okay i guess and part that, of that too is like the deal is that the nature of them being mega famous is you know exactly what you're gonna get exactly it's like yeah it's like when sean penn shows up we know what we're getting from sean penn so it's like, hey, Sean, I really basically just need like I need a clean setup and of like what's going on. Spade's going to kind of c guide you through it. But I want you to like sort of uh, add where you can. And then I need a solid like five minutes of actual just tattooing. And then we're going to fake it. And Spade's going to talk to you like Spade's going to yeah. ask you questions and interview you. There's really nothing. I just really need those five minutes of clean tattooing so that I can cut together the interview part of it with you tattooing. So it's like, it really is like it's with, with a show, especially like lights out or after party where like it's sketches that are like very obvious. Like the joke is pretty obvious and it's also not my voice. It is, it is me sort of trying to execute the voice of a, of a writer who's also on set Typically, I will give like the sort if if somebody's going to give a line reading of a joke, it's going to be from the writer. 
I, in that context, am more so trying to just like make sure we get everything that we need. Okay. Uh, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely uh, makes sense. Yeah. And also, like, I will say that one of the comments on the YouTube video was, "That's the first, I've never seen Sean Penn laugh and smile before," <laughs> which both were very much accomplished. And honestly, yeah. as as just you know, you only see him in interviews when he's either promoting something or talking yeah. about a charity, and both yeah. things don't necessarily always elicit laughs yeah. out of him because it's just the serious nature of him. So yeah, in a weird way, it was like. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was cool, man. And the, the the this has happened to me so many times where I'm working with like a big celebrity and like everybody makes like a big deal about like, oh, we have to like make sure this, they have this space where they can sort of be alone. They have, we have to make sure that they're, this is happening when they arrive, blah, 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 blah. Everybody's like so concerned. And then I'm like doing a camera test and I like stand up and turn around and Sean Penn's just there already. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like, that has happened to me so many times where like before the shoot, everybody is like, oh my God, we have to make sure this is happening. Sean needs this or so-and-so needs this. They need that. And then they just like sneak on set and they're standing behind you and like, hey, how's it going? And you're just like, oh, you're <laughs> you're Sean Penn and you just walked in here by yourself. <laughs> like everybody's acting like we need to like coddle you and like make sure everything is perfect for you but you're a human being who just walked in and you don't care about all that stuff it's like i find that happens nine times out of ten with big celebrities before the shoot you think they're like their their reps make them seem like they're like like divas but really they like sneak onto set and you're just like oh hey that happened with lil john i worked with lil john one time i've heard he, he's a delight he's the coolest guy i've ever met he ubered to set and just walked in a back door Amazing. and 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 we were all just like oh you're you're here <laughs> like and he was like yeah man and then he just like put on his wardrobe and did his thing and was like such a delight but that happens all the time but like there's this weird perception i think i think what it is is like these big celebrities like reps are like no we have to like uh we have to make sure everything's perfect but really the the actor or like they're just like oh no i'm just a person who's like showing up for a job like i don't yeah. need i don't need a lot i heard i think i don't know who it was i think it was a celebrity saying that at least in their case part of all of the demands and stuff they were like i'm not even really aware of it it's more that the representation is like if we don't ask for this now we'll never get it if we want it right yeah that it, type it of is, thing yeah it is like it is uh it's almost like making sure everything's better than it needs to be so that nobody is ever upset or like nobody's unhappy. But I, I think that like the thing that gets forgotten a lot of times is like, just because somebody gets famous doesn't mean they stop being a human being. Who's also just like regular. Yeah. Uh, like, and, think, and you know what? In plenty yeah. of times they do. Yeah. And fair enough either way. Like yeah. I can't imagine, you know, as an actor, the, and like anything else, it's like you, you, I could completely understand losing your grip with reality. Well, Once you reach a certain yeah. point, I, I get that, it. That's the thing too with everything that I've ever done. It's like, hey man, I'm not directing like uh I'm not directing There Will Be Blood too. I'm <laughs> I'm directing like literally like a bit a bit where like uh like Lil John is just like doing yes and what's singing along to a song about like uh, it's the 12 days of litmus, which is like, <laughs> it's like, it's just him and Ty Dolla Sign. Like it's a video that I did where like, he's not doing anything serious. He's literally just goofing around. And yeah. I think that that's the, the luxury of being a comedy director is that like, I almost never am ever interacting with like a person who like needs space to, to get what they need, you know, like to get where they need to get. It's like, to do the things I'm asking people to do, it's like literally like you just have to show up. <laughs> yeah, there's no heavy lifting for them. So like no. that really, you know, COVID notwithstanding obviously breeds a very, and that's another thing with the, the juxtaposition thinking about it, of like you're doing such light, fun work against the backdrop of Catastrophe. a frightening, controlling thing. Yeah. And that's a lot to unpack. Yeah, it's, it does weird things to your brain. That's for sure. Oh, I uh, don't doubt it one bit. <laughs> trying to laugh. Literally, like, I remember, like, we were on, we were, like, working on the after party at, like, literally the height of case numbers in Los Angeles, okay. where where the city was begging productions to shut down. And we were working, 
shooting like literally like jokes, like fart jokes, where it's just like in the midst of the most chaotic time in my lifetime, I'm on a soundstage at like the Netflix campus shooting fart jokes. <laughs> there is so much happening in that sentence. Yeah. yeah. It's absurd. People are literally dying left and right. And I am like, hey, you, maybe we'll try that one, but we'll do a wetter fart sound. <laughs> like literally ar like arguing with uh, a writer about <laughs> how wet the fart should sound while thousands of people a day are dying. It's like it, it breaks your brain. Um, and then one person coughs in the background and everybody turns around <laughs> yeah. frightened. Yeah. And you're like, okay, back to the wetness of the fart. Yeah. It's 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 absurd to think about it in that like sort of like broad like broad scope like like bird's eye view of it. It's just like man, what yeah. are you doing? That <laughs> and that that also is a question I ask myself and the world all the time: as what are we doing? Because <laughs> I do think that you know uh, as much as you can have more time and try to like get ahead of unpacking all of this. I just I, I can't I I don't foresee can't imagine what the long-term ramifications will be yeah it's yeah. it's it's so much it yeah. really is and i don't I, I can't imagine i don't know what's gonna come out of this yeah uh, i'm still hopeful despite yeah. everything that's telling me i shouldn't be but yeah. it feels like you know but you, you have to hold on to something and yeah i still believe it i don't feel like i shouldn't but i also it's just true yeah i mean i think i think that like there's no way to really know until we get there you know, sure. I think, I think uh, every day has seemed to be so much different than I ha ever would have thought. And things are happening that I never would have thought would ever happen. So it's just like, I think I've given up on, on trying to sort of predict, uh, predict the future in any capacity. And I'm just like, I am going to do what I need to do to like be okay right now and make sure that the people around me, uh, that I can sort of directly affect are as good as possible as well. I think it's like, like the struggle of trying to predict what it's going to be like in a few months, I think is a thing that I've long, long given up on. And I'm just like, Hey man, if I want to eat ice cream right now, I'm gonna. That's fair. <laughs> hey, if I want to go see the green night tonight, I'm hey, going to go see the green night. I'm a, hey, in four hours, I'm going to be sitting down in, in the AMC Burbank 16, uh, watching a movie that my friend Daniel Hart did the score for. Really? Yeah, my buddy from oh. my buddy. I went to that I know from back in North Carolina. He's done all the score, like scores for almost all of David Lowry's movies. Uh, I, well, I love his work then because I yeah. love David Lowry's films. Oh man, yeah, his, his his work's incredible. His name's Daniel Hart. He's got he's got a band uh, called Dark Rooms. Also, that if people like the score, you'll probably like his band. It's like a very like moody. Uh, orchestral like it's very hard to describe it's like very cool though and the I'm score i've already listened to the score from this movie multiple times because it's so cool uh so yeah that's Everybody, so cool i'm plugging my friend daniel i'd say <laughs> while we're plugging too <laughs> let's we're wrapping it up too plug your stuff too oh, as well yeah please. okay well you can find me on all the social medias at it's john mackie on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitch, twitch.tv slash it's John Maggie. I do, I've, I, in the past, have done a, a weekly improvised uh, podcast called How You Been with Brett DeMott. I've had to go on a bit of a hiatus uh, from work stuff. I've, I've had a, a job I've been working for the past uh, few weeks that's been pretty intense, so I haven't been able to do that. But that show will be coming back. It's Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, it's called How You Been. I have guests on, uh, and it's basically similar to this show, actually, except it's all in character, uh, and it's a guy who's catching up with his old friends uh, uh, who's from Pennsylvania, and all of his friends are just losers instead of uh, interesting people. It's um, really funny. It's a really funny show. Thanks, and yet, to your point, there are VOD episodes yeah. like oh, yeah, you can Gabris go, and Jaquise Neal. And yeah, you can go to the Twitch and see the VODs there. Also, most of the back catalog is on the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash How You Been. Uh, but then also, uh, as you mentioned, Big Grande is my uh, improv and sketch group. We've got a website called BigGrandeWebsite.com that you can go to and you can buy uh, some limited series podcasts. We do like improvised long form podcasts that are, uh, you know, uh, hard to describe and potentially impenetrable for anybody who doesn't like improv, but uh, <laughs> they're fun. Uh, and we got a bunch of really cool stuff coming in the next couple months. I don't want to awesome. give anything away, but we have 
a, a, a very full docket of uh, stuff that's going to end up uh, on that website as well. So I think if people check it out and like stuff, keep an eye out there. You can also listen to uh, some of the Teacher's Lounge for free on iTunes. Uh, and we're trying to figure out how to get those episodes back to make them free as well, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Um, but yeah, BigGrandeWebsite.com has a bunch of stuff on it that you can watch uh, and listen to. Um, and then, yeah, that's pretty much it. If you uh, like uh, sh short films, I also have some shorts that I've made on uh, johnmackey.com that have some some cool people in them. Uh, and that's it. You know, that's all. <laughs> that's It's actually that's a lot a of stuff. The what I realized it's a good I, amount when of I stuff. finished it, I was like, Jesus, that's like 70 <laughs> things to plug. Like too many things. <laughs> that's a good amount of stuff. I, yeah. Dude, thank you for doing this. This is an oh, absolute course, delight. Man. I really uh, enjoy it. it. You know, you you never know what you're getting into with with podcasts That's like fair. this. But I've had a I've had an absolute blast talking to you, man. I appreciate you awesome. asking. Well, yeah, of course, and thank you for doing it. And to your point, like Adam Pally, first thing he asked me before he recorded was, "Are you a MAGA guy?" And I was like, <laughs> "Fair question, because why would you? Why would you want? Who knows?" Yeah. And fair enough. And also, what a way for me to end the show. Yeah. Thank you for listening. I'm not a MAGA guy. <laughs> Please don't be a MAGA guy. Yeah. Stay safe. Get vaccinated if you're not. Oh, yeah. And uh, wear a mask, I think. I mean, yeah. just In most safe. places, wear a mask. I think that's the current the current uh, guidance. Yes. Stay safe, wear a mask, and thank you for listening. Bye.